Chris Tomlin celebrates false teacher Joyce Meyer as Dante Bow is kicked out of the Maverick City Music Collective. And we take a look at the Christian contemporary music scene and whether or not there is any hope to be found in listening to the music. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a number of CCM, or Christian Contemporary Musical Artists, as a number of things happened this last week that also points to an overall problem that is really just rearing its ugly head when it comes to so much of the music known as CCM. And this latest one comes from probably the artist that is played most on Sundays all over the world, and that is none other than Chris Tomlin, who helped the false teacher Joyce Meyer actually celebrate a conference that she's been putting on for 40 years. Next to the picture does Tomlin write, Wonderful night at the 40th anniversary of the Joyce Meyer Conference. Grateful to be a part of the celebration. And a lot of people are pointing out that Joyce Meyer has been a false teacher for many years. In fact, there is an article on the G3 website, and I'm not going to agree with everything on there. But uh, in this article, they get a lot right and when discussing the a lot that is wrong with Joyce Meyer. And I'm just going to go through a couple of these as there are a number of things that we should really look into when it comes to propagating, helping, and celebrating teachers that do in fact teach dangerous and false doctrines. And one of the things that they mention in here, and they have audio clips for just about everything or at least quotes that she has written regarding these false teachings, but one of the things that she taught was that Jesus ceased being the Son of God. She said, quote, he could have helped himself up until the point where he said, I commend my spirit into your hands. At that point, he couldn't do nothing for himself anymore. He had become sin. He was no longer the son of God. He was sin. Now, there is a huge problem doctrinally when it comes to this idea that he ceased being the son of God, and it's a denial of what we know as the incarnation, the fact that Jesus is fully God and fully man, and the fact that he could not ever cease being God, that is an impossibility. And to teach something contrary, while yes, it's indeed false, it's also very confusing for people. And when it comes to this, that is a dangerous teaching that should be marked and avoided. Another one that is quite popular when it comes to word of faith teachers is this idea that Jesus actually went down to hell and was even punished in hell and took our sins upon himself in hell. Here's a quote from the article. He became our sacrifice and died on the cross. He did not stay dead. He was in the grave three days. During that time, he entered hell where you and I deserve to go legally because of our sin. He paid the price there. And she goes on to say, Jesus paid on the cross and went to hell in my place. Then as God had promised, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. The scene in the spirit realm went something like this. God rose up from his throne and said to demon powers tormenting 
the sinless Son of God, let him go. Then the resurrection power of Almighty God went through hell and filled Jesus. On earth, his grave, where they had buried him, was filled with light as the power of God filled his body. He was resurrected from the dead, the first born-again man. Now, I'm not even going to get into the idea that he's the born-again, which is something that Jesus said everyone needs to do to enter the kingdom of heaven when Jesus had already been in the kingdom of heaven, the glory that he had before the world was, as he mentioned to the Father in John chapter 17. But this idea that Jesus went down to hell to pay for our sins, when over and over again in the scriptures, we're actually told it happened on the cross. And this idea that Jesus needed to actually go to hell and be tormented by Satan or by the demons is antithetical to the Bible. It is false teaching, and those who teach these things should be marked and avoided. The idea that he was not the Son of God at any point in time, or the idea that he needed to be born again, or the idea that he needed to go to hell and suffer in hell, I I mean, all of these things are not only not found in Scripture, but the opposite is found in Scripture. And Joyce Meyer is, in fact, a false teacher, and we should be really mindful of the people that we're pushing when it comes to teachers like this. And when it comes to Chris Tomlin or other artists like Phil Wickham and so forth who have celebrated Joyce Meyer like this, it is really, really heartbreaking because a lot of people have enjoyed a ton of the worship songs, even if they are quite repetitive from Chris Tomlin and others. The truth is, is that when they coincide one with another as they are right next to Joyce Meyer propagating that she's been having this great conference for 40 years as she peddles false doctrine. Guys, this is a really dangerous thing. And sadly, when it comes to the Christian contemporary music scene, this has over and over and over again been the fruit that has been bore out, even from artists that seem very on in the beginning. Guys like Phil Wickham that started out as Calvary Chapel worship leaders and then would later partake in not only Joyce Meyer conferences, but also be a part of the Bethel Music Group, coming alongside Bill Johnson and doing music alongside of him. And when we look at this, guys, it is so important. And I'm saying this as someone, I don't want to say I'm an insider, but as someone who has thrown events, I used to do that. In fact, if you look up Simi Valley as a whole, Simi Valley is very well known in Southern California for being kind of a hotbed for conservatives in terms of Simi Valley compared to everything around it, whether it's Los Angeles or otherwise. And a lot of that has to do because a lot of families come to move here. Specifically, it was really, really popular for police officers from LA, maybe LAPD or the sheriff's office, or even my grandfather, who was a CHP, to move to Simi Valley and then not live where they were going to police And so that was typical, and so a lot of the houses that are owned here in Simi Valley are by firemen and and, uh, police officers and so forth, and their kids play sports, and, uh, you know, that's kind of just what it looks like out here. But the problem is, is when families have hardworking mothers and fathers that are out of the home, and the kids come home, and next thing you know, they're smoking some weed with their friends, or they're, you know, drinking with their buddies or whatever— and then they get into the medicine cabinet and they start with maybe Oxycontin and eventually go down to heroin. That was an epidemic that took place right here 
in Simi Valley, so much so that it was even an episode on Dr. Phil regarding some of the heroin use in suburbia here. And when I got saved back in January 19th of 2009, I had a number of friends who were addicted to Oxycontins or heroin or otherwise, and I had the lack of a privilege to have to go to a number of funerals for people that I love. Uh, I loved uh, before they passed away, people that were in the party scene. And I remember one specific friend, and praise God, he's still alive, but I had gone to a dealer's house and I had ripped him with uh, my now brother-in-law, ripped him out of the house where he was living uh, with a heroin dealer. And I said, man, we're going we're gonna to get this guy right. He went through the ponchos, threw up and all that stuff. And not too long later, uh, while he, after he was off the drugs, an old girlfriend came over and smoked a bong load with him. And the next thing you know, within a couple of weeks, he was back on heroin. And it was a hard thing to deal with. And I remember crying out to God, God, I want to do something. Like, please help me. I, I don't want to see this anymore. I, I, I don't want to see people just dying on our streets. My friends, I'm tired of going to funerals and so forth. And we had a couple of kids in our youth group, and one of them is going to be editing this later, so he'll hear this as it goes, who came up to me one time after teaching and said, hey, we want to throw a little concert. And basically it started with them as a band, and the entire idea was their band would play and then I would share my testimony, we'd share the gospel. And that's what we did. We literally built our own stage in the back of our church. And one night we threw this event and we shared the gospel. They played music. And it was pretty cool because I have been a wrestling coach for a number of years. And I invited one of my wrestlers to come to the event. And I said, I really need some security work. We had all of about 25 or 30 people that were there. But nonetheless, I wanted him right up uh, front and center because he was one of my wrestlers and I wanted him to hear my testimony. And so that's what we did. And I was sad because he walked away when I was getting towards the end of it. And he walked into the sanctuary because we did it outside. And when I came in after, um, I walked in and Pastor Joe Schimmel was sitting down talking with him. And uh, he was giving his life to Christ right there. And I said, man, I want to keep doing this. And then the next year we ended up uh, notifying some bands around the area and said, hey, you got to bring people to come hear the gospel. We're going to do it again. We shared the gospel. We had a few people come to Christ. Then we we're like, hey, let's try to get some bigger bands to come because it'll bring bigger crowds. And next thing you know, we have a bigger band come and people come to Christ. And same thing kind of happened each year. And that was our goal. We just wanted to throw an event and we had Teen Challenge and the Ventura County Rescue Mission come and we'd have them share testimonies. And then we were literally having people sign up all the time. In fact, um, Rosie Ware, who ran the Ventura County Rescue Mission, said after every one of our events, their lines went off the hook from parents saying, hey, I saw this thing. People saying, hey, I got to get my son in there. And a ton of people were actually coming off of drugs, getting saved and following Christ. But one of the things you do learn over time, as I did, is that not all of these artists <laughs> are to, as much about the gospel as you would expect. And I can say that about a number of them. I don't want to name all the names, but one, now you guys can see it. We did an entire, one of our first, I think our first one of our first episodes here on the Good Fight Radio Show was covering John Steingard's deconstruction. And uh, he was the lead singer at the time we had them of uh, the band Hawk Nelson. We've also had guys like Phil Wickham, who then teamed up with the Johnsons. We've had guys, you know, bands all over the place. You know, I used to love and I still love them, but man, the lack of discernment really hurts my heart, specifically later. But 
the guys from Seven Day Slumber and Joseph Rojas. Uh, we had them a number of times, and he had a great testimony of how he came, you know, tried to kill himself with a lethal dose of cocaine, and then uh, ended up giving his life to Christ and would share his testimony all over the place. And then all of a sudden, he's sitting down and doing interviews with Todd White and um, talking about how he likes listening to Joel Osteen sermons. And it's a heartbreaking thing because I know our goal was always let's get as many people there to share the gospel. That's our goal. And it's sad because that, in my little bubble of my view of CCM, became to be even worse the more and more we looked at it because it wasn't until after we started throwing these events that we already had a problem with Bethel, but really we hadn't done our series Bethel or Beth Hell. We I hadn't listened to the hours and hours and hours of false teaching from there. And a lot of people didn't know all the problems with Hillsong that were going on at that time. And now it's like it's exploded and you've really seen the rotten fruit of so much of this. But one of the most rotten fruits, I guess, uh, that we've been able to see from this is the deconstruction movement. And when it comes to deconstruction, there's a more recent one that someone had sent to me in a message regarding David Leota's wife. And David Leota was a part of the Elevation Worship Band there with Stephen Furtick's church. And apparently he had stepped down a little bit ago as well. And then after Roe v. Wade took place, David's wife, Corey, actually posted that abortion laws are racist. And then it seems like this post right after that is her coming out of evangelicalism or her coming out of Christianity, really, if we're going to get down to it. And we could talk about this with Kevin Max or John Steingart or so many of the deconstructed deconstruction ex-evangelical, all of this stuff. And before I even read from her statements, because I think it actually gives us a lot of insight, one thing that really, really, really has to be key for us to understand is I believe a lot of these worship leaders and some of these worship bands have been given far too much of a platform. And they've been given this platform when a lot of them just started out wanting to play music with their friends, maybe in the garage or maybe on, you know, their church's youth worship team. Maybe they thought it could get them a couple of dates at church. I don't know. But nonetheless, they are then teaching the congregation through their music, because that's what the Bible says in both Ephesians and Colossians, that we teach, we admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord. And guess what? That's what's happening. They're teaching people these doctrines and so forth. And when it comes to that, one of the dangers is a lot of these churches, whether it's Hillsong or whether it's Elevation or whether it's Bethel, not only teach false doctrine, but the doctrine that they do teach, that it, or the doctrine is false, but also there's not much in terms of any depth. I mean, really, when it comes to having an understanding of what the Bible says, and this is one of the biggest dangers, and this is why we see so many people deconstruct, because they never even know what their faith is supposed to be constructed upon. And that is supposed to be upon the Word of God. So when they find out these things and these statements that are made, all of a sudden they abandon lights and light shows, and they abandon it and switch it up. Because basically they've been going to a diet club on Saturday night or Sunday night or Sunday morning, and they get the light show, they get the music, they get the concert, and this is all great and funny and fuzzy, and then they get basically somebody to motivate them to do better or motivate them not understanding a full gospel, not understanding what the Bible actually says or why any of this actually matters. 
I mean, that is a reality of what's going on at the Hillsongs and at the Bethels and at the Elevations. You're getting a motivational speech over and over again, never actually core doctrine that comes straight from Scripture or why we should believe it. At least, at the very least, an apologetic, a defense for the faith that they should be giving, they're never given. So when they say our questions are never answered, one, they probably never asked them. And if they did, they probably were going to the wrong people to get those answers. And it's heartbreaking. But nonetheless, I want to read from a part of her statement. And here's what it's called. An admonishment to the evangelical church on the subject of abortion. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but there are a couple specific things that I have to read. And here's one of the slides that she put together here. It says, quote, people are leaving your institutions in droves, even your well-manicured, celebrity-filled ones, and it drives you mad. When you realize your control over those who willingly enter your houses of worship is slipping, your stranglehold over those you claim to empower, but only abuse tightens. So you run to Caesar, employing the use of his lawmakers, his power to strengthen your own. To hell with the separation of church and state, you say. We've got lives to protect, but you don't protect life. You protect your own power. Now, a couple of things here, because... When somebody gives a really bad argument for abortion, which is this entire statement that she's making here, when somebody does that, we do need to point out the inconsistencies and also the errors in this line of thinking. When it comes to Roe v. Wade as a whole, Roe v. Wade specifically was simply something that was allowing the murder of innocent babies and allowing it to be done legally. You're not taking people's rights away. You are giving the right to live. That is the difference. Second of all, the employing of Caesar. There are plenty, and Bethel (laughs) is one of them, uh, specifically, especially when it comes to the NAR movement and all of that. Bethel would love to have control of rights. Bethel would love to have to control the seven mountains. We've done a a number of things. We'll put links in the description here on, on this subject. Even they espoused exactly how they believe in that. But over and over again, when you see this, it's absolutely ridiculous to say, oh, you're just, you need to have power. The power is for you not to have the power to kill somebody. I think that's fairly simple. And yes, people are leaving institutions, but I'd say that most Christians would argue those who are leaving those institutions, while it is sad that people are leaving it for liberalism and then eventually atheism, because that's the actual track record of what's going on with the emergent church, then the deconstruction movement, and now with liberal Christianity to basically atheism, because you agree with them on everything, because you live as though God is not actually there, and although he at, you act as though he has not spoken clearly in his word. But nonetheless, this is, this is exactly the mentality and so forth. When you can get to a place and you've allowed the culture so much to integrate all the lenses by which you see the world rather than through the word of God, because basically most of the sermons you went to at Elevation Church were regarding whatever he was thinking in some weird pattern with Mr. Stephen Furtick and all of that, and he was just kind of giving out some weird advice on how to live, I understand that because he's allowed the culture to permeate his teaching, playing things like Nirvana to illustrate his sermons or whatever he may do, he may do. I understand that's been par for the course for you, but now that's 
coming into a place where it superseded whatever the word of God has said, and now even appealing to, hey, this is a good thing. I'm sorry, as a believer, if you can't celebrate the fact that, hey, this is awesome, even though it's sad that they did the least possible thing, which is leave it to the states to make you able to murder children. But the reality the reality is we should be able to celebrate at least that. But obviously, this idea that abortions are racist, racist when it is a proven historical fact a proven historical fact, not only that Margaret Singer was a racist, but that she founded Planned Parenthood with the premise of murdering black babies. I mean, that you can't get around that. And the fact that you guys are looking at that, seeing that, I'm sorry, Corey or David, who's approving of this, obviously, this kind of thing, it's disgusting. But let's see what else she had to say. She said, St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is humankind fully alive. Tell me, What about your spaces promote the fullness of life? Fullness in all its messy, untethered wildness. From where I stand, on the other side of a lifetime of your institutions, your evangelical spaces have become whitewashed tombs, sparkling outwardly and rotting from the inside, reeking of debt. You claim freedom, yet demand subjugation. Guys, a couple of things here. She mentioned that Jesus said you would live a life more abundantly. That's because God's commandments are not burdensome. According to 1 John chapter 5, the commandments that he gives are not burdensome. Therefore, are good. That his yoke is easy, his burden is light. The fact is, is that she wants to sin how she deems it. She wants to live however she wants to live, and apparently so does her husband. And so because that is her heart's desire, she thinks to be untethered is to believe whatever you want. No, to be untethered from the world is what you want, and you want every thought that you have to become captive to the obedience of Christ because he is life, light, and the only truth that we have. We base the truth off of the Bible. Why would I say that? Because the risen king, Jesus Christ himself said it. He said, sanctify them, set them apart by thy truth. Thy word is truth in John 17, 17. Without a doubt, we cannot test all the things that you're saying simply by my feelings, simply by how this historical record says this or whatever. I have to judge it by the word of God, and you are proven false over and over again. I want to read the send-off here, because this is exactly what I would expect. She said, so what are you building, you ask me? What gives you the right to criticize? I'm building my house on a firm blanking foundation, and I'm doing it by leaving yours. Now, the only foundation we want is to be built upon Jesus Christ, and the foundation she is being built upon is not only sifting sand, but ultimately as she and others are led astray by these argumentations, and people may find them or be following them because they love elevation worship and start following her husband, who's an artist, and so forth, Anyone being led astray by these arguments, guys, it's heartbreaking to me, but it's a reality and we need to actually look at that. And the truth is, is that typically what happens with all of this is that you can't isolate faith and practice. And that is why Paul told Timothy to watch his life and his doctrine, because in doing so, he'll save himself and those who hear him. And when we look at this one specifically, what just came out, and there's only so much of it actually out right now, but when it comes to Maverick City Music, Dante Bow, who was actually originally a part of the Bethel Music Collective, uh, he's been kicked out now of the Maverick City Music Collective, and this is what their statement said. 
Due to behavior that is inconsistent with our core values and beliefs, we have decided to put a pause on our professional relationship with Dante Bo. Decisions like these are not easy because of the level of nuance, both professionally and personally, but we felt it necessary to address. Maverick City Music is a collective of very ours, formed many different backgrounds and life experiences. As such, no one's artist or behavior can always be attributed as a reflection of our core beliefs and values. Now, I could get all into how their connection to Bethel and all that stuff and how that's dangerous, but the truth is, is that even they are saying, this guy, whatever he's doing, is too bad to be with us. This even happened to Israel Houghton, who was with Joel Osteen and now is headlining big events once again and uh, right here in our home, pretty close to our hometown. And this is a sad reality, but I want to say this as just an encouragement because I've seen this over and over again, and we could point to the Corey Asbury's of the world with their reckless love and their reckless theology that tells people to read Richard Rohr, who, by the way, believes in the Gnostic lie of like a Christ spirit that goes upon people, but that's for another day. And we could talk about Hillsong, and if you went through the list of the top artists, most of them will have a connection to Hillsong, Bethel, or Elevation, almost every single one of them. It's pretty incredible how well they've sadly networked. But one of the things that I've seen this used as is an excuse to go back to listening to secular music. And that's a danger as well. Oh, well, they're all bad, so I'll just listen to the Beatles, who said their entire philosophy, according to John Lennon, was do what thou wilt, quoting the Satanist Lester Crowley, who they put on a picture right there on their album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Or I've even had people say, well, I'm just going to go back to listen to Rush uh, and, and so forth, and we'll listen to openly Satanic music. And I'm just saying this as an encouragement, just as it is for me as well. For myself, I'm going to be honest with you, I ended up buying a guitar. Well, actually, my mom got it for me for Christmas, <laughs> but I ended up getting a guitar and learning music and even writing songs so that I could sing things to my kids that are biblical, that I could sing things to my kids that I'm not worried about the spirit that's coming in from it or whatever because of the dangers of it. And I'm, you know, Tony's helping me put this together right now and he's a worship leader and he knows how hard it is to find music that is good to play, that has good theology and isn't connected to these heretics. And it is like finding an eel in a haystack. But as an encouragement, I'm telling you as somebody, as I mentioned, I've made the mistake of having events and having artists that you find out later like, wow, these guys, not only they lack discernment, but also some of them, I don't even know if they were ever really brothers. And so this is a danger, but it's also worth it. It's worth it not to just give in. It's worth it to continue to check it, to continue to look it up, to continue to watch these things and find those songs, find those artists that you're like, yeah, this is really good music that that that, wor- that worships the Lord. I feel closer to the Lord when I'm worshiping him. I'm not just going to give in and go listen to junk. I'm going to continue to fight and I'm going to continue even when I make mistakes. Ah, no, nope, that guy's no good then I'm going to push them aside, some to be marked and avoided, and some to just say, no, I don't listen to them anymore. So as an encouragement, guys, cling to Jesus. And also, hopefully at your local congregation, you guys are in worship with a worship leader that loves the Lord. They're not involved in loving all of these artists, and they're not involved in loving a bunch of secular music that God hates as well. So God bless you guys. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. 
This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.